Hello, I'm Sarah McGinn and you're listening to Life's Too Short. I believe that grief has the power to change your life forever. On today's episode, I want to do something a little bit different. When I was little, I always perceived spirit around, whether it was seeing them or feeling them or hearing them or whatever. When we grieve, we look to anything that will bring us some hope, some perspective or some peace, trying to get answers to the questions that have just cropped up. Will I ever see them again? How will I live without them? What happens after we die? And I suppose the most important one, will I ever feel happy again? Throughout this podcast, I want to speak with people who deal with grief as their everyday profession, from death doulas to grief psychologists to spiritualists, speaking with the people who bring hope to the grieving. On today's episode, I speak with psychic medium Sandy Byrne. Sandy is an award-winning psychic medium who's been developing her abilities since she was a child. She has helped people from across the globe in connecting with their loved ones who have passed on, and she's brought so much peace to so many people. She's also just so super nice. I know that this isn't for everyone, and I get that. I know there will be sceptics, and that's okay, but I would encourage you to listen with an open mind. You might just hear something that resonates. Hello, Sandy. Welcome to this episode of Life's Too Short. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. Well, no, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It's, it's like an, it's always an honour to, I mean, I love what I do. So to be able to talk about it and maybe to explain it to people, um, I love the opportunity. So thank you. Oh, great. And as I said, kind of in the intro, like this is kind of a path that I've gone down over the last couple of years. Um, not something I possibly would have, you know, investigated before my mum had passed. Um, but it's brought me great comfort. So that's why I kind of wanted to speak with you today. And hopefully there's other listeners out there who perhaps are sceptical, perhaps are not, perhaps already kind of believing in this stuff, but can take something from it or take a little bit of um, help or guidance. So to kick off, I really want to get an understanding of, I know you call it, it's an ability, right? Absolutely. It an is ability. an ability. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I'd love to get an understanding of I suppose, when you knew that you had this ability. Okay, so for me, I don't ever remember a time where I didn't see or feel spirit around me. I always did. So the the, the nearest thing, I suppose, that I could say is when I realised that not everybody else did, mm-hmm. you know, which was when I was seven years old. And that's why I always say to people, so I suppose, first of all, why I call it ability and not a gift. A lot of people call it a gift, okay, where, but... I suppose from experience, I know that it's something that everybody can do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I'm not talented or special, but um, it's something that people can do. Okay. So when I was little, I always perceived spirit around, whether it was seeing them or feeling them or hearing them or whatever. And it was when I was seven years old, when my grandmother passed away, uh, she was only 56. And it was, you know, she was the kind of, you know, the medium in the family and her mother and her grandmother and whatever. So it had come down through those. So she was always, you know, real supportive. And when I was talking about seeing spirit around and all of this, you know, and I just thought everybody did. So as a child, you don't, you don't make an issue out of these things. You just accept it for what it is. But it was when I started talking about still being able to see my nanny at her funeral and everyone was like, oh, you know, this big this big gasp when I said I could see her because I could literally see her sitting on the arm of my granddad's chair. So my granddad had a chair by the fire that he used to always sit in. And my grandmother would come over and she'd sit on the arm of the chair, you know, put her arm around his, his shoulders, whatever. 
And um, I could still see her sitting there at the funeral. So that's when I suppose it was everybody's reaction. And then I had that conversation with my mother afterwards. And she said, well, you know, I know we've all understood, you know, what you say about seeing people and, you know, talking to people and whatever. But she said, not everybody sees that. And so that was when I first realized that not everybody did. And that's why I say to anybody, you know, who maybe have children that talk about it and stuff. You know, I do believe that we keep our spirit connection uh, when we're born into this life. But that when the age of reason comes about at that age, six, seven, eight, we, you know, logic kind of kicks in. And then we realize, well, we shouldn't be seeing it. And that's when we start to push it away. So that's kind of a waffly answer to your question, but I hope it makes no, sense. No, no, it's great. And I suppose like when you talk about your your granny there and about seeing her and everyone else probably getting maybe a bit of a fright or maybe maybe not your mom yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, maybe there was an understanding, but was there any confusion or fear on your side at all that you were kind of seeing things that other people weren't seeing? Not really, not until people gasped because it was the usual Irish funeral. We waked her at home and then after the burial, everybody came back. My grandparents had this little cottage. So it was full to the neck of people. So it wasn't just the family who always knew. You know, I saw spirits, my grandmother saw spirits, a couple of the other family members saw spirits. And um, but it was all the neighbours and that I suppose. Yeah, I suppose as a seven year old, I didn't want to be any different. No seven year old wants to stand out or be any different to anybody else. And I do remember crawling under the table, you know, hiding behind the tablecloth. And uh, my mother was passing me down food and drink for the rest of the evening, you know, Uh, so I didn't come out. So I wouldn't say it was fear more than embarrassment because, you know, children want to blend in. They don't want to stand out. And that's where I was. But was I ever afraid of spirit? Not at that age. I definitely wasn't. It was as I got older in my teenage years, I became more afraid of them. And that's just because they were so persistent. So every night when I went to bed, a particular spirit used to come in and shake the bed, pull the duvet off the bed, knock everything off of my dresser and stuff. And, you know, this is what a lot of people would perceive to be poltergeists or hauntings or whatever. It literally wasn't. It was just my spirit guide trying to get my attention. You know, we're still here we still want to talk to you don't push us away but of course as a teenager I'd watched same horror films as everybody else so you know obviously you know you're going to be over dramatic as a teenaged girl and I used to go to sleep with my mam um, in her bed because my mam it was just my mam and my sister and I and funny you know when I was with my mam whether she had more control over the spirit or not or whatever but they didn't seem to bother me when I was with her just when I was on my own and then I thought oh you know I watched Carrie then <laughs> and I thought maybe then it's my kinetic energy move and everything, you know, the way you start to think. Yeah. But um, I suppose so that frightened me a little bit. And then, like everybody else, I had two passings in 1989, the year I turned 15. So just before I turned 15, my granddad passed away and I still call him the love of my life because he was the main man in my life. I didn't have any brothers. My dad wasn't there. My granddad was the man. And just after my 15th birthday, so 10 weeks after my granddad's passing, my uncle Kevin, who was more like a brother to me because my mother's from one of those big Irish families. There was 10 of them. So we were raised with the younger ones, you know, as brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. So Kevin, who effectively was a brother to me, uh, died in a motorbike accident that summer. 
And it was after his passing, because even though my granddad was only 70 when he's passed, when he passed to me at 14, he seemed very, very old. And like you expect someone to pass when they're old. Mm-hmm. But when Kevin passed, he was just 31. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd spent all this time with him while my granddad was sick, while he was doing up the home house because he inherited my granddad's house and he was moving home, you know, so he was renovating the house. And I had spent all the week before the motorbike race, it was a race that he was, he was in when he crashed. And I spent all that week with him in the garage, you know, working on the bike and getting ready to go away for the weekend and everything. So like that really played on my mind. Mm-hmm. And after pushing away spirit for several years then all of a sudden I turned to them I was angry with them I was but I needed a sign and this is why in my opinion and just from my opinion and my experience you know you might never ever think of life after death or what life means or what happens after we die until you lose somebody Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it becomes the biggest thing in your life and you need to know everything and you watch everything and you read everything you can get your hands on and you're looking for an answer. And I was I no different to that. There was no reason. Nobody knew why the crash had happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there was a crash investigation and all this kind of stuff. And um, so 10 days after the funeral, no, 10 days after the accident, just after the funeral, um, I sat on the edge of my bed before I got into bed that night. And I just said to him, I said, Kevin, this is wrecking my head because I know that you checked everything because he he was going through the checklist, checking this, checking that, checking the other, you know, and I was handing him tools and whatnot. And I said, I know you checked everything, what happened? And that night in my dream, he showed me frame by frame, you know, um, I've never had an accident. I'm touching wood when I say that. Um, but people always say to me, you know, that it happens in slow motion. You see it. And that's exactly the way he showed it to me. And he showed me in that dream what happened, what caused the crash. So I was able to tell my mother, you know, the following morning what caused the crash. And she said, well, we don't know that. But mm-hmm. 15 months later at the inquest, that was exactly what they said had caused the crash. So it took them 15 months of investigation. Yeah. It took him one dream <laughs> to oh tell me God. what had happened. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose I've gone on a lot there with your question. But I suppose my point was that... You know, I know a lot of people who have lost somebody and are grieving and sometimes they feel guilty, Mm. you know, that they're getting, I suppose, lost in this rabbit hole of spirituality and afterlife and the meaning of life and all of this kind of stuff. And people will make you feel guilty for that. And sometimes they'll make Mm. you feel that it's wrong. And I just say to everybody, you know, it's like when you have kids. Okay, I have two boys and You know, I said to them when they were going into secondary school, you know, you're going to drop out of stuff and you're going to take up new stuff. Everybody has to try something for a little while to know if it sits right with them or not. And spirituality is no different. So if you need to investigate it a little bit, don't let anybody make you feel guilty for that. That's such an incredible point, because like there's so many things that you touched on there about living through grief personally and what people sometimes investigate and I completely went down that route and reading all the books watching all the shows speaking with people like yourself and just trying to figure out what was next 
But I was also so embarrassed about it. It's not something I, I talked about with people. Um, like it even took me a good while to open up to my my family, my sisters, who I, like I'm so close to. And like even probably talking here today, like there's probably a lot that like say friends or colleagues or whatever, they'd be like, oh, I just did not know about this side of Sarah because I feel like some people will think I'm a bit mad, you know, but you're right. You have to try something and see if it fits with you and see if it brings you some sort of comfort as well. With talking about your own personal grief as well, I suppose there's possibly an assumption because you are in the space that you work in and spirituality and mediumship that perhaps you wouldn't not grieve as much, but it's like, well, you know that, you know, you can continue your conversations, all this kind of stuff, but that's that's completely in- inaccurate. Yeah, you know, a spirit connection, even through mediumship, and you know this, it's not like a normal conversation. And it's not like somebody's whispering in my ear and I'm just repeating what they're saying. Like it's a more different way of connecting. And the first part of any reading is establishing that you've made the right connection. And therefore you're providing um, whoever you're reading for with the evidence that it is their loved one. Because I say it's evidence because I always say to people, I can't prove anything. If you have this fundamental disbelief in an afterlife and in spirituality, I'm not going to prove that for you. I'm not going to try and make you believe it. But I'm going to try and give you evidence that this is your loved one here. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling people things like, you know, OK, well, you know, I've got a man here. He feels very like a dad, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd say, you know, this man was 63 when he passed. He left very suddenly. Maybe there was... I don't know, breathing condition or whatever. And then, you know, we'll get into like nitty gritty things like say, well, you know, this man only wore red socks on a Friday <laughs> or he always <laughs> stirred his tea anti-clockwise, you know, and you're getting into the real nitty gritty, you know, things that you couldn't possibly know about this person's loved one. Mm-hmm. That's the evidence, you know, and they say, well, how did she know that? And, you know, once you've met, you've established that that's the connection, that this is this person's loved one and you've got the right person. And then you can get into the message of it. But that's what stops us as mediums connecting with our own loved ones, because we can't prove to ourselves that it's our loved ones. Because I know that you know, Kevin liked weightlifting. He was a bit of a bodybuilder. You know, I know he used to go running every day. I know that um, he had, you know, this big blue van that he used to drive. You know, I know the kind of bike he crashed off. You know, I know a lot about him, the kind of music he liked. You know, I still have all his um, old vinyl LPs upstairs. So, you know, all of this stuff I knew and I still know about him. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I can't prove to myself that it's him. And I'm human too, you know, so I'm skeptical always, you know, even when I make a connection for someone and they're like, wow, how did you know that? I'm like, did I know that? Where did that come from? You know, (laughs) so I'm still questioning myself, you know, about different things. So that's why you find that mediums rarely connect with their own loved ones. That's it. I've had some lovely conversations. Okay. But what I generally do with Kevin, especially, and you know, when I'm reading, I tend, people will notice even when I'm on lives and stuff, I always look up above the camera. The reason for that is I have a picture of Kevin hanging up on the wall there behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm go, you know, I'm going to him, you know, can I give me this? I need something from you now. Or I'm finding this connection really hard. Can you go into spirit and get someone that belongs to this person for me? You know, so I'm always 
always asking him for his help. Yeah. And, you know, when I have a question to ask him, I'll ask him to maybe knock on the table or knock on the wall or something like this. Like you an know? actual physical something, sign. A physical sign, yes. Wow, okay. So last week... I parked the car around the back. Um, we're typical Irish, you know, we only use the back door. Yeah. <laughs> so I always park the car around the back. But just outside my back door, I have a bench. Okay. And Kevin made this bench when he was younger. He trained as a welder and um, he made this bench when he was training. So like it's it's very old, but it has sentimental value. So I was feeling a bit low about something, but I was going out the door and I sat on the bench for about three minutes and I, I had a little chat with him and I told him how I was feeling. And I said, you know, I feel like I haven't had a sign from you in a while. I said, is there any way you can let me know that you're still around? I always say to people, when you ask for a sign like this, give them 24 or 48 hours. You know, sometimes they just don't have the energy to push into it right at that moment. But the following morning, I was going out the back door again. I was taking my son to school. And just as we were getting into the car, this um, robin just flew really quickly over, landed on the bench and just started chirping at us really loudly, and like really quickly, like it had loads of news to get out, yeah. you know, to us. And I just said to the bird, I just said like that, Kevin, is that you? And the bird just kind of cocked its head to the side and just kind of gives you the <laughs> eye from the side like a bird does. Yeah. And just like, that's exactly the way he would have done. You know, he always kind of looked at you from the side and said, what are you talking yeah. about? Kind of thing, you know, yeah. so that's how I connect with them one to one. But if mm-hmm. I really want a deep connection, if I really feel like I need something, I will go to a medium. Yourself. Absolutely. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realise yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. I have a friend in the States who's a medium and we did readings for each other not too long ago. Oh, wow. That is, that's, yeah, yeah well, it's an incredible friend to have so that you can, you can talk yeah. through and with one each other as well. One of the questions I had about the connection that you talk about, is this something that you turn on and off? You absolutely can cut it out because you have to, mm. because you can't go around, you know, like that all the time. Now, I'm a huge fan of, I don't know if you've ever heard of Teresa Caputo. She's called Long Island Medium. She's an American medium, oh, very famous. Yeah. She has her own program on television and like you watch a 20 minute program with her and she'll be in getting her dog groomed or she'll be getting her nails done and she'll be reading for people all around her. But you might have a week's worth of footage boiled down to 20 minutes, you know. Yeah. Nobody can live their life consistently being in communication with spirit you'd be locked up I mean honestly you would you'd be in a straight jacket you know in a hospital somewhere because we have to live in the real world at the same time so I won't say that it hasn't happened I was in a shop buying something we were doing some renovations in the house and all of a sudden I turned to the lady that was serving me and I said to her you know is this blah 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 and he whatever and I said and she just immediately burst into tears and she said, oh, my God. Yeah, that was her husband who passed away very young because she hadn't thought about spirituality at all. So you will get moments where it's spirit's only opportunity to connect with someone because they would never consider going for a reading, which is fine. It's not mm. compulsory. But um, sometimes spirit really want to make that connection. But the majority of the time, I will keep it to, you know, when someone comes for a reading. Okay. And there's a reason for that. Before I did this full time, 
I obviously worked elsewhere and I was having tea in the staff canteen one day and we were just having a conversation about whatever. And I just turned to the lady beside me and I said, who's, you know, we'll say John, whatever the name was. And she me, she goes, I don't know. And I said, I said, is that not your son? I said, and it's his birthday today. And she threw her cup of coffee at me. Oh my God. And I found out later, a couple of days later from somebody else at work, that it actually was her, her son had been stillborn and that was his birthday. Oh my gosh. But she never got, and I suppose I never want to upset somebody, you know, sure, not yeah. everybody is open to getting that message, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. So I suppose that's why I shut it off outside of the reading. Because mm-hmm. if someone comes for a reading, if they're joining my lives online, you know, if they're listening to the podcast, then they're open to it. Yeah. But you have to respect that some people aren't. And yeah. I'm not yeah, going yeah. to be the one who upsets them. But I try for not sure. to. I suppose one of my questions as well is whether like you're met with a lot of resistance, but it's from people who don't want to, who aren't ready to receive messages like that. Do you ever read for people who are like book in, but are like, I don't know about any of this. Um, I'm just going to... Maybe in the early days, I would say yes. Okay. Yeah, you know, you would have the odd person, especially when I used to do a lot of house parties or go to someone's house and then they'd have, you know, five or six people there, whatever, and you'd read one after the other. And I do remember one guy coming in and, of course, he'd been drinking and I did say to her, you know, bring people in in an order where they're not drunk when they come in because it's a bad thing Mm. to mix spirituality with the drink and I'll explain that in a minute. But, and he just came in and sat down aside is opposite me you know and um I was set up in a separate room and he said prove it to me I don't believe in any of this bs prove it to me and I said to him I'm not here to prove anything to you I said if you believed in it and wanted evidence I said spirit would provide that for you but I'm not a circus pony Mm -hmm. I said and if that's your attitude you're not going to get someone that comes through so I said to him that I would prefer not to read for him Because why would I waste my energy to someone who just wants to ridicule me? And why would spirit waste their energy Mm. if someone just wants to ridicule the whole process? So I'd rather save my energy for people, you know, that really will get something from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you've got that attitude, I would just say, look, let's just go our separate ways. There's more to life than just, you know, deliberately calling people out. And uh, I suppose just on a side note, and, you know, it's important too, especially when, you know, people go to see live shows and that, because they're very popular now. You know, try not to drink. Drink is a terrible thing to mix with spirituality. And I'll tell you why. Connections with spirit dehydrate you. Okay. And when spirit comes through, they don't come through using the medium's energy. The medium's reading your energy, your spirits in your energy. So they're pulling from your energy and that dehydrates you. But alcohol also dehydrates you, you know, so it's it's not a great thing. It can actually make you sick, you know, and I, you know, I actually don't drink alcohol anyway, but I've seen it with other people, you know, that they feel really sick because um, I mean, you've been there, you know, you can feel Mm. very, very drained after a reading. Oh, like, I mean, ex- like you can't do anything for the rest of the day. <laughs> the day Absolutely. Like, exhausted. Exhaust. I get such bad headaches. Um, Emotionally and physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine if you had a few glasses of wine on top of that. You just, yeah. Yeah. Got, oh, God. 
be the worst hangover you ever had. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you're, and some of these shows are like big money, you know, to attend. Yeah. So like, why cut down your chances of getting a connection? You know, if you want mm-hmm. it to work, I would say have a drink afterwards and definitely not before or during. Time for a really quick break. This episode is proudly brought to you in partnership with new mindfulness brand, Pause Penny. Their gratitude and manifestation products help to simplify your at-home mindfulness practices. Over the last year, I really started to think about my own wellness. But to be honest, mindfulness was not something I'd ever really thought about. It's not something that I considered for myself. But what I love about the Pause Penny Gratitude Packs is that it allows me that time to focus, to take a break and think about what brings me joy in the everyday. And that's something I really needed. So if you have been looking to invest in your mindset, invest in your positivity in 2023, then head to pausepenny.com or check them out on Instagram at pause.penny. Now, back to the chat. She spoke there about the parties, the live shows, all that kind of aspect, which I suppose I'm not, I wasn't, like I'm aware of like the big shows and stuff like that. And I wasn't super aware of everything else. I suppose I'd love to get an idea of like your, the clientele. Is it people who are grieving yeah. Or is that like 100% the people who come to me are grieving a lost one, a loved one? Well, I'm a psychic medium, so I do both psychic and mediumship readings. Okay, so the, the difference is, and not everybody might understand the difference. So a psychic is someone who reads the energy of the living and a medium is someone who reads the energy of the dead. Okay, that's the way I describe it. So the psychic readings are when you're talking about the future, you know, the tarot cards, the TVs, the crystal balls, all that kind of stuff. So the mediumship part, okay, which we're focusing on today, that's always someone who's grieving. You know, because they may come because they're curious and they may be open to anybody, but effectively they're there because they know somebody on the other side and they're curious. What does this person do all day? Did they feel pain when they crossed over? Did they know they crossed over? Did somebody meet them when they crossed over? Do they know what I'm doing now? Did they know that I played their favorite song at their funeral? You know, so there's like a million questions that we have on our minds all the time. So they want to know, is there consciousness after death? So whether it's the connection with the person that they want, they've lost or connection with the spirit guide, Mm -hmm. um, this is what they want to know, is their consciousness after death do they see us are they still around us do they still love us and if it's okay for me to mention I because I know you said that you've listened to 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 a podcast I did one whole episode on um, how we can continue our relationship with those that we've lost like that was an eye-opener for so many people it's probably the 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 episode that got the most listens to be fair Mm -hmm. you know how can we continue our relationship with people after death um that's what people want They want to get advice from their loved ones. They want to know if their loved ones approve of the decisions they're making. Is it okay to sell the house? Can I sell your car? All of these, I'm tempted to call little things, but they're big Mm -hmm. decisions while you're grieving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just want to know, you know, is that right or wrong? And I do a live session every month for my Patreons. And, you know, I did one last weekend. And a couple of months ago, I'd read for a lady... Um, her son came through, you know, and he he talked about all this stuff. And she's like, I don't know what he's talking about. And it was literally just something as simple as talking about his car, the way that it was parked at the back of the house, which she could take. 
But the way he was describing the tire, now I'm, you know, when it comes to mechanics, like it's a blue car or a green car, I'm not necessarily yeah. telling you it's a Mark II, whatever, <laughs> you know. So, and I was talking about the tire and the side wall of the tire being white. You know, I was kind of seeing it like a 1950s gangster style. Yeah. Um, you, you know, they had the, the white rim on it and all this um, about a problem with it. And, and anyway, went into detail, but she came back then. And she was going to some family celebration, which was partly to celebrate his life. And when she went out, she was going to drive his car. But that particular tire that I had explained to her, which she didn't realize had white on it because her husband had changed the tire. But it was flat when she went out that day to drive it. And this is what he'd been talking about, about her driving it flat. And she'd driven it around the house before she realized it was flat. So like this, that was just everything to her because then she knew that he was watching her, that he knew that she sat in his car, that she knew that he talked, that she talked to him. And he also knew that his dad was keeping the upkeep on the car, you know, maintaining it. And it's just those little things that are important Mm -hmm. to people. It doesn't have to be a life-changing message, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, just so people can know. And so... Does it cure grief, I suppose, is probably the follow-on question from that. Nothing is going to cure grief. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. You have to grieve and you have to go through the process. I still grieve, you know, I still grieve. And I've lost a lot of family members over the last few years. I have a cousin who was murdered at the age of 27 in London two years ago. Oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. But... It's the normal grief thing. He was born at 24 weeks. He spent the first four months of his life in hospital. He battled with all these health issues throughout his life, only to become very handsome, in my opinion, you know, well-mannered, you know, affable young man to go out for a walk one evening during lockdown and to be mugged and thrown off a bridge. You know, that's what happened. And you just think of the injustice of it all and like angry because he's taken, you know, he he battled so much. Like we've been through all of those things and why has nobody been caught for it? Like that's not fair Mm -hmm. and somebody should be brought to justice and blah, 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 blah. So like everybody has to go through that process of grief and a mediumship or a spirit connection. It won't stop your grief. It may help you and has helped people get closure on some questions or Mm. some things that are going on. I'm not going to promise anybody that I can find certain things for them, but I did help one lady find her partner's suicide note, which she hadn't been able to find. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so there's little things like that, that, you know, you can help someone find that closure. Yeah. You know, to those little problems. (laughs) Even one woman just laughed for 10 minutes when her husband apologized um, in the reading because he was very bad to keep paperwork in order. So in the few months since he'd passed away, she'd spent, she was rooting the house out for this paperwork and deeds and life insurance policies and all these things, which he promised he had sorted, but he didn't, you know. So it's just those little things to help you find closure. It will never and is never intended to be a substitute for grief counselling. That's really interesting. And I think it's a really good point to make as well that in a person's grieving journey that maybe it's not one thing, maybe it's so many things, but it's good to point out that this is a different type of help in your grieving journey. But you're right, like nothing, nothing stops grief. 
That's grief it. doesn't, you know, have a nice little wrapped up end where you're just like, oh, I'm I'm fine now. It does stay with you and it will stay with you. But I suppose if people can find comfort in things, it's what helps exactly. and what helps that grieving journey as well. So just when you're meeting people within their grieving journey, is there like things that people need to do to prepare? Are there right times and wrong times? Is there right types of people or wrong types of people to go to you to get a reading? Like how does that side of it work? Well, readings work for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, they they do, you know, because I'm saying this all the time that love is the connection. Okay. I don't have a connection to your loved one, the spirit. You have that connection because you love them and they know you. Um, the first thing that I say to people is allow at least three months after um, losing somebody. Okay. And the main reason for that is so that people can process the grief. You know, I get lots of phone calls. I lost somebody a few days ago. I lost someone last week or whatever. Give yourself time to grieve because coming here, you know, whether it's, and I do all my readings online, but, you know, having a reading, I don't want somebody to be disappointed that they're going to think that they're going to, you know, see me and see their loved ones sitting beside me, you know, because it doesn't work like that. So allow yourself time to process grief. I say at least three months, it could be three years, but give yourself time after somebody passes. Now, is there a particular time? No. Our energy can be heightened at specific times. So I let people be the judge of that themselves. People tend to book readings around Christmas, around anniversaries or birthdays. Okay, not all the time, but a lot of the time because they feel when it's their birthday, they're going to be around on this particular day. And it's not necessarily the case. However, the person coming for the reading, their energy is more heightened because it's their loved one's birthday. And therefore, it's easier to read their energy and you might get slightly more information or more connection with them. But their loved ones around them every single day, every day. And I did a reading with a lady there um, a year or two ago and she was wanting to connect with the loved one. And when I made the connection, they told me to tell you that they're they're your sunflower, okay? And that they'll always be your sunflower and they'll be watching you. And it took her a minute and then she realized, she said, you know, she said, I have lots of flowers in my garden, but I don't have any sunflowers. And she was thinking, and then she just remembered, it was about two days before the reading, just underneath one of the trees in the back of her garden, she found a random sunflower. She'd never planted sunflowers, but one mm. single solitary sunflower. So spirits were acknowledging either they had met the sunflower grow there or they were acknowledging that they were with her when she saw that sunflower. But that was their message. Yeah. You know, so can't stress enough that it's not going to cure you from having grief. Grief is grief. I don't need to tell you that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how they left, when they left, why they left. They're mm-hmm. gone. And that's what has to be dealt with. You know, people can be thoughtless, Yeah. you know, and they think they know what's right and they think that they know what you're going through and they think that grief has a time limit, but it doesn't because your life is forever changed, you know, and Kevin's fiance, when he died, I always remember her saying when people were going home after his funeral, 
they all said, oh, I have to go home for this or my dog has to be let out or whatever. You know, all the normal reasons that we have to be home. And she was just kind of sitting there and she just turned and she said, everybody's going home to their lives. I don't have one anymore. Now, obviously she did, you know, have Mm -hmm. a life, but she had to make a new life. And that was her point. Her life as she knew it up to that point was gone. It was finished. Mm -hmm. It was forever changed. And that's what grief does. Yes. Yeah. And I think like you hit the nail on the head there. That's, that's the thing that people don't realize about what grief does to you as a person. And I still even feel now since my mom passed, you know, I've had people who've lost people as well. I still don't know what to say. Do you know, like I see, like you just, you you don't because grief is all consuming. And then it's also very personal to different people as well about how they handle it and how they cope with it and how much they want to talk about it and how much they don't want to talk about it. So it's just, you just need to support them in any way that you can. And there are no words for when someone is gone or when, when someone dies, there's, there's no words. Like, and I, you know, I remember thinking at the time that like, I was speaking with my counselor and he was trying to get me to open up more and trying to get me to talk more. And I was like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of me talking more? Because it's not going to change anything. And I was so like, this is an immediate after effects, like the the first month or two. And I was like, I just, what's the point in talking about it or, you know, like trying to work through it or try to talk about my grief because it's not going to change anything. My life is forever changed, you know? And at the time I would have said ruined. It's yeah, it's so tough. But it did change you. And it yeah. does oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because just because your mom isn't physically with you, mm-hmm. you know, and I hear this from people all the time. I wish I told them this or I wish I told them that. Tell them now. It's yeah. never too late. So talking can help, even if as a society, we don't talk to other people enough. And I can remember even when I was very young and I used to spend a lot of time at my grandmother's house and she still had young children at school, you know, even though she's my grandmother. And every morning she'd go to a neighbour's for a cup of tea after, you know, the, the, the kids were off to school. And they would set the world to rights in an hour and they'd talk yeah. about everything. We don't do that anymore. And we need to do it more. But if you feel you can't, sit down in front of a mirror or stand in front of the bathroom mirror and talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. Because once you say something out loud, it becomes something tangible that you can deal with. But if you suppress it inside, you can pretend it's not happening to you. Mm -hmm. And that's where issues occur. Mm -hmm. So you have to say it out. You have to hear it being said. You know, and especially in the early days after your loved ones passed, before they learn to read your thoughts, they have to hear you say it. So, you know, say it out loud. Tell them, you know, ma'am, I'm sorry I didn't tell you that the day it happened. But I'm glad you know now. I just wish I had your advice. Whatever the case may be, say it out. Because somehow... When she's ready, she'll get that sign to you that she's hearing it. I don't care if you're walking down the street and a car passes with the radio on loud and all of a sudden Manfred Mann is playing, you know. Mm. But, you know, however they get the sign to you, they will get it to you. Yeah. Okay. So ask them for it, you know, do and be specific Mm -hmm. when you ask somebody for a sign. Yeah. Be specific. 
I'm welling up here, so oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in the middle bless. of a session. <laughs> um, I um, I have like a bazillion more questions I could ask you, but I don't want to take up any more of your time and perhaps we'll do a follow-up episode. Um, oh, 100%, yeah. I did want to ask just one final question and, sure. and if you don't want to answer, that's totally fine. But as the abilities that, ha- that you have and the work that you do and the amount of people that you've spoken to and helped through their grief and stuff like that, do you fear death yourself? No, not at all. I fear how I die. That's the fear. How is it going to happen? You know, you know, is it going to be painful? <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, because I'm the kind that cries over paper cut, you know. So it's how I died, but the actual death itself, no, not at all. Not one little bit. Because <laughs> I don't want to leave anybody behind. You know, mm-hmm. I've got kids, I love them, and I want to see them settled and families of their own, you know, like any mother does. But I also want to see those that I've lost again. And I can't wait to give them a big hug, you know, and give out to them over certain things and thank them for other things. And the actual, you know, dying, physical dying part doesn't scare me. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's pain that scares me. But, yeah. you know, I do have faith. And, you know, I was raised Catholic. I still really believe, you know, in my Catholic faith and mm-hmm. um, that kind of, you know, helps me through a little bit as well, you know, that I have belief and I was born on the the feast of um, St. Joan of Arc and, you know, the, I don't know if you, you know the story that even though she was burned at the stake, that, you know, the Holy Spirit decided to take her before she ever felt the pain of the flames right. and, you know, I have that belief and, um, I did speak to a young man once who had passed after um, a car crash and he showed me exactly what he saw. And he said that as he was driving along, he was in the car on his own, but when he kind of looked to the side, he saw his granddad and he kind of looked again and it was his granddad there. And he said, immediately I knew something was going on here. But he said, then all of a sudden he was standing on the road with his granddad looking at the scene of the crash. So he he said he didn't feel anything. Okay. He didn't feel that moment of death. So it was almost like he was taken up by his granddad because his granddad wouldn't necessarily have that power. Mm-hmm. But almost like, you know, he was protected from that pain and that suffering. And he went from driving along in the car to looking at the scene. And he, he didn't remember anything about those in-between seconds. And, you know, I really, I, I hear that a lot from spirit, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't feel any pain, that they don't feel any trauma, yeah. you know, that it's just one minute they're here and the next minute they're on the other side. And that kind of gives me some peace too, you know, and I, I suppose that's part of the closure that we get um, from a, a spirit connection through mediumship, Yeah, you know, that, that, that we learn from other people's experiences. Okay. Andy. Thank you so much. That's just been just a wonderful uh, episode, but wonderful session as well for me. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. A huge thank you to Sandy for this episode. I honestly find it so interesting listening to Sandy and could have continued that conversation all day. I hope you enjoyed it. As I said, kind of at the beginning, I know it's not for everyone. And listen, before I started my own grieving journey, I wasn't sure if anything like this was for me, but it has brought me a lot of peace, I suppose. 
you'd like to connect with Sandy, you can visit her at sandyburn.com. You can also listen to her podcast where each episode goes into more details on all things spiritual. It's called Life After Life and available on all platforms. You can follow us on Instagram under Life's Too Short Podcast to keep up to date on new releases. And if you have enjoyed listening to the episode, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps us as a new podcast. And then just some final words to leave you with. Sometimes hope comes from the most unexpected places.